You are listening to the Legal Community Podcast, hosted by Guy Remond and Dave Zampano, powered by Guider. Guider provides self-service online legal documents supported by your local attorney. Fast, affordable, and in your own time. For more information and resources, please visit guider.legal and enjoy the show. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Legal Community Podcast. I'm Lisa Rozier, joined with Guy Riemann and Dave Zampano, and today's special guest, Alistair McDermott. Hello, and welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me on. Yeah, we're really excited. And your company is The Recognized Authority, correct? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm really interested in the concept of how people become known as a recognized authority. Oh, I love it. Well, this is going to be a great, great, great conversation. And I know that you and Guy and Dave have already have established relationships. So I'll start just why don't you just jump in and talk to me about what the recognized authority is all about and your expertise about building authority and personal brand. Yeah, sure. So I came into this because I was very frustrated. Back in the day, I was working as a web marketing guy. I was building websites and then doing search engine optimization and things. And I was very frustrated because I was able to do a lot of different things for my clients that I didn't seem to be able to do for myself. And so I was working with some e-commerce stores and with some kind of B2C consumer facing businesses. And I was able to make search engine optimization and I was able to make Facebook ads and Google ads work for them. But I wasn't able to figure out how to make that work for my business. And I, I just couldn't understand, like, what's the disconnect here? Why is this working for my clients, but not working for me and my business? Most of my business seems to be coming through referrals and word of mouth. And so I started to dig into that more and more. And I realized that in, in the B2B space, and particularly in the kind of expert services space, that things like Facebook ads and Google ads they don't tend to work as well as they do in consumer. And I think a lot of that is because it's a less transactional based business. It's it, the business relationship is literally a relationship. You're not buying a bar of chocolate, you know, you're not buying a pair of shoes. So there's a lot more trust required. And so in order to build up that trust, one way to do that, and the biggest way to do that is to get a referral, to get a, like a personal referral from somebody because they're literally passing their trust in you onto whoever they're, they're referring you to. What I was particularly interested in doing was disconnecting from this reliance on referrals that I had because I had a local network. I didn't have a global network. So I only had uh, people in my local area who were referring business to me. And so I wanted to figure out how to actually establish myself so that people would be reaching out to me from all over the world. And so I started going down that rabbit hole and learning more and more about it and realized, okay, really what, what I'm talking about here is, is how to establish yourself as an authority in your field. Uh-huh. And so that brought me into kind of reading and learning and talking to a lot of people about that. So really what you're saying is about building a personal brand, isn't it? If you build your, your own personal brand by, you know, for example, writing blogs, expert blogs in your field, or, you know, maybe speaking at conferences, speaking at user groups, maybe even writing a book, you know, I noticed books are coming back in fashion now again, you know, after the physical books, after the sort of the, the podcast blogs and, and so on, books seem to be making an appearance again. So if you can build your personal brand, you're kind of putting your head above the parapet. And one thing I've noticed is that the forward-thinking companies 
see the positives in that, but the quite often the corporates and the or maybe the, the the companies that aren't quite as forward thinking see it as a risk because they see it, you know, that they could possibly lose the person. You know, if you're giving authority to your team to build the personal brand, they might think, well, recruiters are going to call them and they're going to lose them. And, you know, how to deal with that side of things? If you build your personal brand, which I think, by the way, is just the best way of marketing, because by association, your company is associated with your brand as well. But, you know, how do you persuade companies that that's a great thing to do and they're not going to lose people through recruiters. Yeah, it's interesting. So yeah, it is effectively building a personal brand, although I tend to think more about the authority side of things. I just think of it in that way. I think that when you thinking of it as a personal brand for me, I, I think that's, it feels a little bit light because I think that you're you're kind of going a bit deeper than that. Like you're building yourself. And, and I, I also think about it, about lifting yourself. I think about creating this body of work. And sometimes that's speaking and writing and books. I think that speaking and writing and research are, are these kind of three core things that you do. The other question you asked there was about, you know, what if people want to leave? And, and I tend to go back to this. There's an old kind of saying, what if we train our people and they leave? And the other person says, well, what if we don't train them and they don't leave? You know, <laughs> so it's tough. But if, if you are trusting your people and you're helping them to build their brands and they're associated with you, they're probably going to be quite happy, you know, and they're probably going to want to stick around. So, yeah, that is a leadership issue. I think you're right. I mean, the you know, the, there's there's a cultural thing here that underpins this whole philosophy. I'm a big believer in building personal brands through expert content, which I think is similar to what you're talking about with leading with authority. But to do that, you have to, you know, in a in a larger organisation, you have to underpin the whole idea, the whole concept, with the fact that people want to work for you. Now, part of that, actually, as you've just alluded to, there is that. They, you know, if you're giving them the opportunity to build the personal branding and, and really be an authority with their peers, then that in itself is something that will keep people at your company. But then there's other things, you know, you have to make sure your cultural platform for your organization is there so that, you know, if the company does come along and offers somebody 10 grand more, then it's still going to be a decision for them because the 10 grand might be worth a lot less than the fact that. They're getting so much out of working for your organization that the money is actually less important to them than the culture that you've built and the platform that you're giving them to speak and be an authority in that particular area. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I agree 100%. And I just want to give you the example of a CEO of a, I think it's a payment processing company called Gravy. His name is Casey Graham. And he went deep into posting on LinkedIn and he brought all of his employees onto LinkedIn and got them all posting on LinkedIn as well. And it, it's done kind of the opposite for him of the fears that you're talking about. It's actually made it much easier for them to recruit. Yeah. And recruitment is tough right now. Yeah. And, yeah. and it's it's flipped it completely to where people are now reaching out to them and they don't have to pay expensive headhunting fees and, and recruitment fees and, and things like that. They've got the complete opposite thing where they've got really great people reaching out because they see people, they see all of these people from this company posting about their jobs online, posting about you know what they're doing, what they're working on. 
and every employee there is building their own personal brand. Part of this goes back to the mentality that you're in. And if you're in that scarcity mentality, I think it causes you to make the wrong decision or, or to make less optimal decisions. Whereas when you are not in that place of scarcity, some people call it an abundance mindset. If you're in a place where you are thinking, you know, I'm, I'm going to help other people and other, other people are going to help me in that kind of positive mindset, I think that good things will come back, you know? Yeah, Alistair, I agree. Guy and I talked about that at length. On this. I, I want to just turn this conversation 180 degrees. I want to go more granular, right? Because what we just talked about, what's the impact of having a personal brand? I want to come back a step and say, how do you build a personal brand? So in my national organization, Lawyers with Purpose, we have this saying, everybody knows it, RMS. RMS is Relationship Management System. And what we share is, look, there's two ways you're going to get leads. There's two ways. You're going to either pay for them, right? You're going to go do all the traditional marketing and online and that, or you're going to shake hands for them. And I think what you're talking about is the more, you know, how do we feel like in this digital world, we're shaking hands with people? Because I think the digital world has also done something else that is counter to what is intended. And it's created a lot of frauds, right? Because anyone could say anything they want on the digital thing, if they have a pretty website or have some good copy around some key things. But you're talking about building a brand, which to me, I'm going to just puke out a couple of things that I always knew that to be. And what I want you to is take it to the next level and modernize and say, yeah, Dave, that's what they used to do. But now there's other levels. But I knew a the hand to hand combat, I called it, where you're shaking hands, you're personally introducing yourself to someone and getting to know them. Number one. Number two was, as Guy had alluded to, Writing articles, you know, I wrote law review articles in my past. I've written a few books. That gives you credibility. The third way that was always the most powerful way to build a brand was through third-party credibility, where other people were speaking about you. Other people were saying, hey, you got to meet this guy because what am I missing? In 2022, what are the tactics and strategies, and I use those two words separately, tactical approaches and what are the strategic approaches to building a brand? Okay. So let's get a little bit meta for a minute. I'm speaking to you guys on your podcast and you invited me on here and that gives me credibility with the listener right now because you invited me. And you did that because we had a video call over Zoom and we had that kind of virtual handshake. We, We chatted for 20 minutes about a month or two ago. And so that that's kind of the, the digital equivalent of what you're talking about there. And I have those types of meetings all the time. I, I In my calendar, it's called a virtual coffee. I have these 20-minute meetings where I talk to people. And I will have one of those with pretty much anybody. If anybody wants to talk to me, I'll talk with anybody in the world for 20 minutes. And most of the time, that is an incredibly valuable conversation because it turns into a relationship. And there's people I spoke with for 20 minutes three years ago who I I know really well now because, you know, we started following each other on social media. We got to know each other. I know the names of their kids and I saw pictures from their holiday and, you know, you get to know people and and that is building relationships. And then the, the other part is we need to build this body of work in some way. And so you can do that in lots and lots of different ways. The one everybody knows because it's in the word authority is author. And that's, you know, you're the person who wrote the book on it. And if you're the person who wrote the book on it, like that's how we describe somebody as being extremely knowledgeable, incredible about a subject, being an authority. So that's a key part. The other thing that tends to be built in in the legal world that is not built in in some of the professional services like like consulting is specialization. And if you think about the phrase, the recognized authority in their field, 
the in their field part is actually a really important part of that phrase because you can't be a recognized authority in everything. You can only be recognized in your field. And so you have to actually choose your field. You have to specialize. Now, I think that for you folks that in the legal world, it's kind of embraced specialization a lot more than in the world of consulting. In the world of consulting, a lot of the people I talk to are generalists who don't like to niche down because they're very good at solving lots of different problems. But I think that when you do niche down, you, you can become known for something. And that's the key thing is to become known for something very specific. And that's when you can start to become an authority, because if you are publishing and speaking about 40 or 50 different unrelated topics, it's going to be very difficult for people to figure out which category to put you into in their head. So they don't really know, you know, in their mental Rolodex, they don't know where you are. Whereas when you start to write two, three books on the same subject, you appear on podcasts or YouTube videos, they see you in articles and they see that it's always on or around the same topic over and over again, that's when they start to recognize that you're an authority in that area. Yeah, makes sense. Becoming that brand and then you then extend it, as Guy was saying, to your people. And this is really interesting too, because there's an old saying, something rots from the head down, you know, kind of thing. But if you're (laughs) that authority or you're not that authority, if you're a fraud, if you're out there and professing false narratives in some extent, meaning saying things that are inadequate, you create that as well and bring all the people with you. But when you create an authority and you're you're able to do it, what I say, this should, Guy and I always talk about easy. It should be easy, right? Things you do naturally, easily, and it's fun for you. Who's our friend, Guy? Easy, lucrative, and fun, the elf concept. Joe, Joe Polish. Joe Polish always says, yeah, things should be easy, lucrative, and fun. And I think these things that we do naturally and easily and that we enjoy are easy, lucrative, and fun, but they're never lucrative because we want them to be. They're lucrative as a byproduct of creating value for other people and then sharing that value and building your relationship and your brand. And I think culture, I I didn't understand this years ago, but as my company has evolved and grown now to where I don't even know some of the employees, it's so important to have that culture that carries the day. And that brand could be really, how do you relate it to your culture? How do you emulate it in through that culture? And this ties back to Guy, what you were saying earlier about people, your people you know, in the organization. Yeah, no, I think that's all great content. And Alistair, I know this is only part one of our series. We're going to be talking in another episode. And what I would like to do in that episode is really talk about your authority maturity model. Maybe you can bring us a little bit more in detail about that. And then we are the legal community podcast. And I would love to kind of drill down into the minds of lawyers. And thankfully, we have Dave with us, who is also a lawyer and just really kind of drill down into specifically about building personal brand in the legal industry, specifically, you know, you said niche, well, it's niche marketing, it's niche for estate planning and elder law asset protection, but also in any other industry that you have done. But we have to, I know from my experience that when you go into legal industry, there's a lot of different ways that you approach it depending on the area of law. So I would love to talk about that in our next episode. And maybe to wrap it up today, you can talk to us a little bit about, you know, how did you get into this field? I know it's a little bit backwards, but how did you get into this? And I, I love the the statement, you know, how you got a job because of a computer game. I mean, let's learn a little bit more about you before we jump into our second episode. Oh yeah. Well, back back when I was graduating college, how I got a job through a computer game, I really wanted to work for one particular company. 
and they were called Sun Microsystems. They are based on, we're based on the West Coast US. They had a huge company. There was, I think they had 140,000 employees at the time. They've been bought up since by Oracle. But back then they were one of the the top kind of engineering technology companies in, in the software computing space. And I really wanted to work for them, but they weren't hiring. This was just after the dot-com bust and they had a hiring freeze in Dublin. Actually, worldwide, they had a hiring freeze, but I, but I was graduating and I didn't want to go and work in Microsoft or IBM or, or Oracle or one of these other places. I wanted to specifically work for, for this company because I really loved their, actually, I love their culture, which is really interesting, but they had a, a, a very good engineering culture. And so what I did was I bombarded them effectively. I, I, I posted them my, my resume. I emailed it to them. I filled in online forms that they forgot they had left on. I asked everybody I knew, do they know anybody who worked there? And then that didn't work. I asked everybody I knew, did they know anybody else who might know somebody who might work there? <laughs> and eventually they gave in and they interviewed me and then they offered me two jobs. So I had the choice. So yeah, so I got in there. But the, the way that I got in, the, the guy who eventually got me the introduction was because I used to play a game online called Quake. And so we used to have a team. He was on another team. And so I actually asked in, in the chat, in the online chat in the game, I said, hey, any of you guys know anybody who works in Sun? It's because all of the people who played those games were total nerds, just like I was. I was looking and, and so there was. So that, that's how I got it through a computer game. Wow. That's like the power of networking and community right there, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Before we wrap it up, Guy or Dave, do you have any other uh, input you'd like to contribute before we jump into our second episode where we're going to drill down a little bit deeper in the legal industry? The stuff that Alice just talked about today, I can speak from personal experience, absolutely works. I built my company in a very similar way to how, you know, we had a niche, not a niche, it's a niche. <laughs> and we allowed our team or we encouraged our team never mind allowed we encouraged our team to to build the personal brands and become the authority that that alistair describes become the experts in this niche and it really helped to grow our company so i think you know people should listen to what's being said on today's podcast because it genuinely really worked and we built a substantial company on the back of it all right thank you for that input dave anything yeah, no, I'm looking forward to episode two and all in my past conversations, Elster, just a wealth of knowledge and information, what I want to call practical. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to some of the practical uh, tips, strategies, techniques that he might be able to offer to lawyers and, and, you know, entrepreneurs in general, especially those in the service industries. All right. Well, thank you again. And Alistair, thank you so much for joining us and keep on listening for our part two of this series. And once again, you're listening to the Legal Community Podcast, and you can listen to all of our additional episodes just by visiting guider.legal. Have a great day, everyone. Thank you for listening to the Legal Community Podcast. We'd love to hear from you. Visit us at guider.legal for more information and please review and share this show. We'll see you next time.